Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20-Minute Books, we delve into Status Anxiety, a profound exploration into a unique kind of worry that plagues contemporary Western societies, the fear of being seen as less accomplished or successful by our peers. Alain de Botton, acclaimed philosopher and founder of the School of Life, deconstructs the origins of this anxiety and proposes solutions that promise to alleviate our collective concern over social standing. Status anxiety argues that our relentless pursuit of status, while potentially motivating, often spirals into distress and discontentment. De Botton examines the various factors contributing to our status-related fears and inspires readers with philosophical insights and practical wisdom to confront such fears head-on. The author, Alain de Botton, is not only a philosopher but also a best-selling writer known for weaving together philosophy and everyday life. With notable works like The Architecture of Happiness and How Proust Can Change Your Life, de Botton brings a rich background to the discussion of emotional intelligence and the pursuit of a fulfilling life. This book is tailored for a broad audience. It speaks to ambitious social climbers rethinking their motivational drivers, individuals struggling with feelings of perceived underachievement, and anyone who has ever judged or been judged based on societal definitions of success. Join us as we summarize and consider the compelling arguments of status anxiety. Understanding its message could very well change your outlook on life and your place in society. Status. Anxiety. How social isolation and meritocracy cause fear of underachievement and how to solve this. Introduction. Unraveling the puzzling desire for higher status. Is it a modern quirk? Have you ever paused to consider the invisible ladder each of us climbs daily, measuring our personal success against that of our peers? This insight dives into the concept of status anxiety the unnerving concern about our placement in the world's social hierarchy. Unlike a mere century ago, today's individuals wrestle with a pressing fear of not achieving enough. But this gnawing worry about social stature wasn't always a common thread in the fabric of society. We begin our journey through history and philosophy, seeking to comprehend why the gnawing pain of status anxiety plagues our modern consciousness. Along the way, we'll meet the forerunners of snobbery, delve into the curious tale of a pear-sketching cartoonist and his unfortunate fate, and seek wisdom within the rubble of ancient structures. So tighten your seatbelt as we embark on a trip through time, exploring the question of whether the ladder of society's hierarchy is a construct we've been climbing since the dawn of civilization, or if it's a ladder that has grown taller and more treacherous in our contemporary world. The answers may hold the key to why in an era of unprecedented material prosperity. True happiness often feels just out of reach. Part 1. Discover the secret fears driving the rich to want more. Imagine a world where wealth stretches beyond your wildest dreams. And yet, the desire for more never ceases. It's easy to point the finger at greed as the culprit behind this insatiable hunger for wealth. But this notion is flawed. If greed alone were to blame, one would expect the pursuit of riches to halt 
once a person's fortunes could last generations. The reality, however, unveils a deeper, more complex motive. Think about how society perceives those at opposite ends of the status scale. We have terms like somebodies and nobodies, extreme descriptors that ignore the impossibility of someone truly being a nobody. But the sting of being treated as if you don't exist, as if you have no identity, remains a harsh truth for those deemed low status. Peeling back the layers reveals that the chase for status is truly about longing for respect, acknowledgement, and a form of love. Not the amorous kind, but a sense of being valued by others, of knowing that your existence is significant. Why is this sense of belonging so crucial and the absence of it so devastating? We're often uncertain of our own worth, constructing our identities based on how we're perceived by those around us. A shared laugh at your joke can boost your self-image as a witty individual. Conversely, feeling invisible when entering a room can erode your sense of worth, leaving you awash in anxiety. Our self-esteem can be likened to a balloon with a slow leak, requiring a constant infusion of love's helium to stay afloat. Neglect, no matter how small, can expedite the deflation. The soft murmur of a less-than-enthusiastic greeting or the silence of unanswered calls can pull more air out of our fragile sense of self. In the landscape of our current society, status dictates how much love and respect we command from others, deciding if we can stand tall and love ourselves without doubt. It's no wonder that anxiety gnaws at us, always pondering how high we rank in the eyes of the world. Part 2. From adored infants to adults seeking approval. The snobbish influence we can't ignore. Do you remember the warm glow of unconditional admiration you received as an infant? Your mere existence, albeit a symphony of cries and giggles, warranted undivided love and attention. But as time progresses, so does the landscape of our interactions. We blossom into adults and our societal circle widens, introducing us to a wide array of individuals among whom are the snobs that demand we prove our worth to bask in their approval. Snobbery wasn't always a known term. In fact, it took root in the 1820s in England as an acronym initially representing students without noble lineage at prestigious universities. However, as language and culture evolved, so did the interpretation of this term. Today, it signifies an individual who gauges another's human value based solely on their social standing. Snobs wield a yardstick that measures worthiness through societal achievements. Diplomas from elite institutions, job titles, and material possessions. Dismissing other qualities like wisdom or kindness if they don't align with these high-status indicators. This problem persists, amplified by the very society we navigate. Think of the magazines flaunting the glitzy lives of the elite nudging us to accord importance to their luxurious lifestyles and further entrenching the snobbery mindset. It's this vicious cycle that perpetuates snobbery across generations. Parents, steeped in values of correlating possessions with status, the ornate cabinet that symbolizes affluence, unwittingly transmit these ideals to their offspring. So the child, once the recipient of unconditional love, grows up to equate self-worth with the endless chase of approval from those who equate social status with intrinsic value. 
and sometimes the child will find themselves eyeing that same expensive cabinet, hoping it will cement their status in the snobbish Hall of Fame. Part 3. Where does our unsettling thirst for status come from? Shouldn't our modern conveniences have squashed the fire of status anxiety that once flickered in the hearts of our medieval ancestors? It seems logical to assume that an era plagued with famine and disease would have ignited soaring levels of status anxiety compared to our times of relative comfort. Yet surprisingly, our mental well-being hasn't kept pace with our physical progress. Consider the evolutionary leap in the perception of status following the American Revolution. No longer shackled by birthright hierarchy, individuals began measuring worth through economic success. But this pursuit of equality, while liberating, stirred a restless spirit within people. As dreams of financial success turned into expectations, failures to realize these dreams bred discontent. Why do we fixate on what our neighbors possess? The answer lies in the societal yardstick we use to appraise our own fortune, our reference group. We can't gauge our prosperity in a vacuum. We look to our peers to define it, and the bar often lies painfully high, sometimes impossibly so. William James, a sage of psychology in the 19th century, deduced that it is the comparisons with our perceived equals that damage our confidence, not those with whom we share little in common. James himself would feel mortified if fellow psychologists surpassed his knowledge, but remained unfazed by those fluent in ancient Greek, for it held no relevance to his sense of self-worth. This insight spells out a harrowing implication. As our ambitions swell, so does our vulnerability to humiliation. Envision a library brimming with tales of self-made moguls and an arsenal of success manuals. Beneath their guise of guidance lies a trap, a blueprint for exaggerated expectations and the gnawing ache of unmet ambitions. Part 4. How Meritocracy Intertwines Status with Self-Worth Imagine the stark contrast between the opulence of nobility and the simplicity of the peasantry in medieval Europe. This timeless tableau may evoke a sense of stability in social status, the noble unlikely to fear a fall from grace, the peasant scarcely dreaming of noble grandeur. Once, the societal rank was fixed, an almost cosmic constant, immutable in its design, and in many ways this was a balm to the psyche of each class. Christianity's framework provided a divine rationale for the dichotomy between rich and poor. God's will placed each person in their societal station. Both noble and laborer were seen as vital cogs in the grand design, each with a role allocated by a higher power. Moreover, Christianity's champion, Jesus, epitomized virtue and holiness despite his humble beginnings, thereby upending any notion that wealth was a prerequisite for worthiness. Enter the 18th century and with it the dawn of meritocracy, reshaping the narrative of wealth. Suddenly success was not just inherited, it was earned through the virtues of diligence, intelligence and righteousness. Poverty, under this new gaze, morphed into a mark of personal failure rather than an unfortunate roll of the divine dice. Meritocracy, despite its virtues, championing success regardless of one's station at birth, 
casts a shadow of shame on poverty. With meritocracy, we've constructed a society where self-worth is inextricably linked to accomplishments, where the lack of material success isn't only a financial disadvantage, but a reflection of one's character. It's a poignant cost to the undeniable benefits of a system that rewards skill and effort, where the price paid is not just in coins but also in self-esteem. Part 5. Navigating the Stormy Seas of Employment and Economic Cycles Rewind to the turn of the 19th century, when a mere one in five Americans worked for someone else. Fast forward through the decades, and you'll witness a tidal shift. By 2000, nine out of ten Americans found themselves employed by another. This shift reflects more than just a change in labor statistics. It highlights a profound transformation in our relationship with work and success. In contemporary corporate landscapes, our fortunes are tied to the whims of our employers and the broader economy. Companies are often constructed like pyramids, where a solitary figure reigns at the pinnacle while a multitude supports the base. But the path to ascend these corporate pyramids is not always paved with skill alone. Sometimes it's those who artfully navigate office politics, who can embellish and manipulate, that rise through the ranks. Employees, while grappling with internal company dynamics, must also face external economic pressures. A company's bottom line might necessitate job cuts, automation, or offshoring to stay afloat in competitive waters. And, as economic tides ebb and flow between growth and recession, individual livelihoods are rocked, with layoffs and liquidations translating cold statistics into human hardship though financial institutions and governments strive to tame these cycles. Their efforts have yet to yield a foolproof solution. This relentless struggle within the job market often leaves individuals feeling expendable, cog-like, with their self-worth gauged against economic utility. Karl Marx, in his revolutionary writings, lamented the erosion of the familial bond between employer and worker, replaced by an unfeeling capitalism that regards employees as mere instruments of profit. Whether or not Marx viewed history with rose-tinted glasses, his observations expose a troubling reality. The dehumanizing treatment of workers fuels the fires of status anxiety. As society demands success in a ruthless economic landscape, it's that very milieu that strips away our humanity and magnifies our fears of failing. A sobering paradox. The good news? There are strategies to combat status anxiety and reclaim our worth. And we are poised to explore these soothing antidotes in the dialogues that follow. Part 6. Turning to philosophy to question conventional measures of success. Picture the legendary encounter between Alexander the Great and the philosopher Diogenes, lounging beneath a tree in Corinth, when the world's most powerful conqueror offered aid. Diogenes famously retorted, stand out of my sunlight. This succinct dismissal encapsulated the philosopher's indifference to Alexander's status and the societal code of honor it represented. Philosophy, since its inception, has played the critical role of provocateur, compelling us to scrutinize the very foundations of our convictions. Philosophers, armed with reason, deconstruct others' judgments instead of conforming to them. This approach not only champions independent thinking, 
but also exemplifies resilience against societal pressure. Alexander's reaction to Diogenes, a laugh rather than a lethal blow, demonstrates the triumph of reason over ego. It's a sharp contrast to the honor-obsessed duelists of 17th-century Spain, whose unchecked emotions often led to fatal outcomes. Philosophy invites scrutiny of our desires against our necessities, encouraging a thoughtful examination of potential consequences. In battling status anxiety, philosophy serves as our ally. By dissecting popular opinion, rife with confusion and flaw, and reaching our own understanding of value, philosophy provides a strong defense against the onslaught of societal pressure. It urges us to critically assess traditions that escape scrutiny and to evaluate whether common behaviors are rooted in logic. Furthermore, it challenges us to consider whether the individuals whose opinions we so fear truly command our respect. As we navigate through these questions, we may discover that the judgments causing our anxiety do not merit the weight we've placed upon them. Recognizing this disconnect could prove to be our liberating epiphany, allowing us to redefine what truly constitutes virtue and success in our lives. Part 7. Art. The unsung hero in the quest for personal significance. Throughout England's Industrial Revolution, a silent battle waged between the advocates of practicality and the champions of art. Practicality boasted an era of factories, railroads, and cities. While art reasoned that it could soothe societal aches, Matthew Arnold, a renowned Oxford poet, believed art was more than mere decoration. It was a criticism of life. But what did that mean for the role of art in the context of status? Jane Austen's Mansfield Park serves as a clarion call for valuing the inherent worth of individuals regardless of their socioeconomic status. The novel's heroine, Fanny Price, though of lesser standing and education than her affluent relatives, emerges as the story's moral compass. Austin subverted the traditional status hierarchy by portraying Fanny's nobility of character transcending her social class. Paintings, too, possess the power to elevate the ordinary to the extraordinary. Historically, genre scenes depicting commonplace life were considered inferior to grand historical paintings or portraits. Yet artists like Chardin, who painted a simple scene of a woman caring for an invalid, used their canvases to challenge the notion that the domestic sphere lacked significance or beauty. Beyond the visual, comedy serves as an art form that delivers poignant social critiques with a humorous twist. It deflates the importance of status and chides those in positions of power for their follies and excesses. The jest, while wrapped in laughter, often carries a sharpened blade. Proof of comedy's disruptive potential can be found in history. Take the satirical barbs thrown at King Louis-Philippe of France by Charles Philippon, whose pear-shaped caricature of the monarch's head became a symbol of ridicule. The king's swift reaction of arrest, censorship, and damage control exposed his vulnerability and simultaneously underscored the potent effect of artful critique. In these and countless other instances, Art stands as an enduring testament to our ability to find beauty and meaningfulness in the fabric of everyday life. Undermining the superficial metrics of status and inviting us to look beyond wealth and position 
for value and character. Part 8. Challenging the Contemporary Blueprint of Success In our quest for status, we sometimes forget that today's standards are far from absolute. They are a reflection of specific societal values and politics. Looking back at different cultures throughout history, we see a rich tapestry of varied benchmarks for esteem. Consider the fierce Spartan warriors, where prowess in battle was the currency of honor and familial connections were a distant concern. Ruthless strength and a solitary focus on warfare defined their ideal, a stark contrast to the elegance and domestic propriety that would later define an English gentleman. But what shaped these vastly different ideals of honor? Societies often prioritize traits that serve their survival needs, where imminent threats loom, mighty warriors gain prominence. In peacetime, other qualities ascend. What then, one might wonder, is the mold for the ideal individual in modern Western society? The pursuit of wealth and commercial success, it seems, has taken up the mantle of valor. Much like the Victorians, we praise monetary acquisition as synonymous with moral integrity and well-being. Yet, History provides somber lessons about the pitfalls of equating material wealth with deeper contentment. Take the colonization of the Native Americans, whose initial lack of desire for European goods gave way to a corrosive appetite for silver, firearms, and spirits. This shift towards materialism ushered in self-destruction rather than the prosperity they were promised. The modern Western world isn't immune to this disillusionment. We too chase after the latest acquisition, convinced that happiness will follow. And yet, the initial ecstasy wanes, the luster of our new possession dims, and we find ourselves caught in the relentless pursuit of the next gleaming artifact. As we reflect on this cycle, it's crucial to ask if what we seek aligns with genuine fulfillment or merely perpetuates the relentless, often futile chase of a fleeting and redefined notion of success. The answer might prompt a re-evaluation of our values and guide us away from the dazzle of material wealth towards more enduring forms of satisfaction. Part 9. Embracing life's expansiveness to see equality among all. Long ago, the ancient Egyptians would interject their grand feasts with a somber reminder of mortality, parading skeletal remains through the celebratory halls. While Herodotus left us guessing whether this tradition aimed to intensify revelry or instill sober reflection, one thing is certain. Reminders of our inevitable end, also known as memento mori, urge us to reconsider our life's priorities. This might seem a touch grim, but such practices grant perspective, liberating us from the shackles of public opinion and refocusing us on what we genuinely value. Consider the pastime of ruin-gazing, where ones explore the decaying splendor of humanity's great constructions, like the Colosseum in Rome. Amidst these relics we are confronted with time's impartial march, which reduces all, regardless of wealth or stature, to remnants bound to be reclaimed by the earth. Such humbling encounters are not confined to ruins. The sheer scale of nature and the grand architecture of churches serve to dwarf our egos, propelling our thoughts toward the transcendental. How can claims of personal eminence stand against the backdrop of a boundless desert, a towering peak, 
or an imposing glacier. In wrestling with our status anxiety, we might find solace in embracing our collective insignificance by recognizing our shared minimal impact in the grand canvas of time and space we can build a foundation for genuine equality. With this newfound perspective, it's possible to see our shared humanity with clearer eyes. Each person, a mosaic of hopes, fears, and a yearning for connection, is more alike than different. The empathy and solidarity that flow so easily toward children, innocent in their desires, can be extended to adults as well. When we accept that ordinariness is not a misfortune but a unifying truth, Among us, we are better poised to discard judgment in favor of compassion. By understanding that everyone's struggle with fear and the quest for love is universal, we can replace the race for status with a celebration of our shared journey through life. Part 10. How the Bohemian Lifestyle Boldly Defies Conventional Status Symbols The term Bohemian often conjures images of carefree artists and writers, donned in flowing garments, their lives a tapestry of creativity untouched by the corporate grind. But Bohemia isn't just a recent trend. It's a historic defiance of societal norms that took root in the early 19th century. Bohemians emerged as a cultural antithesis to the burgeoning bourgeoisie, critiquing the latter's materialism and superficiality. If the bourgeoisie were the champions of material success, The Bohemians were the guardians of the soulful life, artistry, sensitivity, and the rejection of wealth as the yardstick of accomplishment. The quintessential Bohemian turned away from the secure paycheck, instead embracing pursuits like writing, creating art, exploring, and nurturing personal relationships. Henry David Thoreau, the famed American author and naturalist, perfectly encapsulated this Bohemian ethos. By withdrawing to his hand-built cabin in the woods, Thoreau rejected societal complexity in favor of a life intertwined with nature and simplicity. Emulating Thoreau's extreme rejection of modern life might not be feasible for everyone, but integrating the Bohemian spirit into our daily lives is certainly possible. The essence lies in finding and nurturing a community that echoes your beliefs and values, one that regards the pursuit of wealth as a hollow goal. Historically, Bohemians clustered in neighborhoods like Greenwich Village, Montparnasse, and Bloomsbury, thriving in enclaves where rejection of status and material wealth was a common creed. Within these communities, the measures of success did not revolve around financial acquisition or societal praise. In such Bohemian circles, climbing the conventional ladder of accomplishment is often seen as a betrayal of one's authenticity. Instead, by aligning with those who measure success in strokes of creativity and richness of life experiences, one can detach from the societal pressures that breed status anxiety. Adopting a bohemian mindset allows for an alternative vision of life, providing sanctuary from the relentless pursuit of mainstream approval and the accompanying angst. It's an invitation to embrace a different set of values, where one's merit isn't defined by their portfolio, but by the depth of their human experience. Final summary. In the breathless pursuit of prosperity, power, and recognition, modern society often finds itself ensnared in the throes of status anxiety. The fear of falling short or not living up to societal expectations 
can be a profound source of distress. However, this chase for status and the accompanying woes are far from timeless. They're a contemporary phenomenon, not shared by ancestors who had their own distinct understandings of worth. Several remedies offer relief from the relentless pressure of status anxiety. Arts, whether through literature or visual media, encourage us to reflect on the deeper values of life beyond material achievements. Philosophy teaches us to question the default parameters of success and to find solace in wisdom and independent thought. Spirituality and immersion in nature remind us of the vastness of existence, dwarfing our preoccupations with social standing. Additionally, adopting a bohemian mindset fosters a rejection of the traditional rat race in favor of a life rich in artistic expression, community, and authenticity. Through such avenues, we can resist the siren call of a society that equates human worth with wealth and titles. To live free from status anxiety is to understand that our concept of success is but a fleeting cultural construct. With this knowledge, we can redefine fulfillment on our own terms, finding peace and contentedness in the simple, yet infinitely enriching, fabric of human experience. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.